Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into the top 10 March-born actors in today's statistics episode. We reap the wind and the sky when the sun is high. We sail the length of the seas on the ocean breeze. At night we name every star. We know where we are. We know who we are, who we are. When I got to the point where I'd been doing this podcast for a year, that was big. That was a huge moment. I didn't know whether or not I could really keep it up for that long. I, I didn't know if I'd ever, if it would be worth it, uh, if I'd have the time. You know, back when I first started the show, I was working nights. I had very little time to really watch movies and churn out as much content, even as I do now. And so this that that was a huge big moment for me. I was really pleased to hit that milestone. It kind of came and went. I don't I didn't really do much uh, for it back in October, September, October, but it was I was really happy to to get to that point. And then just recently, you know, having being able to get to an, the 200th episode is also like pretty staggering. Uh, that's such a, you know, if you start the first episode, like that seems like so far away. And yet, you know, there you are, you, you've made it, you got to that point. And it, it's something that even now, you know, I'm, you know, almost half a dozen episodes removed from that. But it's still pretty significant. It's still pretty awesome to be at that level, to be at a point where I can say, man, I have 200 episodes of a podcast that I do by myself, uh, which is all the more impressive for me, like just thinking about it. Like it's one thing when you're part of a duo or a trio or, or a quartet and you have to put in that diminished percentage of, of time and uh, of, of talking and interaction. You know, you have other people to bounce conversation off of, to bounce ideas off of. You have a whole other person or two other people or three other people to provide topics and subjects and things to talk about, to add different perspectives. And uh, I don't really have that. Uh, you know, I've had a few a handful of episodes with other people on them, which I'm I'm super grateful for. The the those of the people who joined me to talk about anything, but it, it's it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time, and 200 is a big number. But this episode, uh, as, uh, contrasted to my 200th episode, contrasted to having podcasted for a year, this one is more is more important and matters more to me for a different reason and that is because it is the first month born actor episode that overlaps a previous month born actor episode i started doing this in march of 2017 it is now march of 2018 so 12 months have gone by a whole year i have done 12 month born actor episodes 
They have all come out. They were all brand new. I, you know, they were fresh. They didn't have anyone to compare anything to compare themselves to except each other, and that doesn't really work. And now I finally have a month where I'm actually comparing it to a previous year's month, and that is so exciting for me. I, it's it's like a it it adds an element of legacy to the show and and to this segment that I, I really enjoy doing and I'm, I'm super excited very stoked to actually get a chance to compare and contrast the top 10 outside of just discussing the people within it and and where they land now and what's changed and the movies that I've seen since then uh, the biggest hitch in that excitement is that in the last 12 months, the formula for determining top 10 actors, or just top actors in general, top actors, writers, directors, has changed fairly significantly. Um, Oscar nominations and wins no longer factor. And uh, values uh, for movies, film value, has dropped considerably with most of the value, all the positive values being reduced. And uh, average film rating has seen its own stock plummet as it now factors in significantly less based on how many movies you've been in. So there's a lot of shuffling around going on and uh, issues. But even still, uh, you know, it's there are definitely a lot of familiar names to, to appear on this list. Uh, looking down the list here. So one... So... So just a refresher, in 2017, the top 10, starting at the bottom, was Gary Oldman, Holly Hunter, Jessica Chastain, Alan Tudyk, Matthew Broderick, William H. Macy, um, Brendan Gleeson, Kevin Corrigan, uh-huh, Michael Caine, and Catherine Keener. Now, I can say that one, two, three, four, and five, five of those people are still on the top 10 list, and five of them are not. So five people have fallen off of the list, and uh, some of them fell pretty far. Uh, so just to kind of go one for one here, I'm not sure, like, as, as this is kind of a fresh perspective on this type of an episode. I wasn't exactly sure how I was going to go about comparing them, the new placements to the old placements and things like that. Uh, I don't actually have a record of like all the films I've seen since then. I'm going to try and eyeball it and maybe recognize the more recent ones that I've seen. Hopefully that works out, but uh, it could be, it could be a little clunky. We'll see. Um, so let's start out with uh, just the top 10 list now. And what that looks like. So, starting off, number 10, born March 27th, 1963, entering the top 10 list for the first time. He is a, uh, he's born in Tennessee and has 16 film credits uh, at this point, with an average film rating of 64.94 and a value of 9.3, no acting Oscar nominations. Uh, and a score of 67.22, ranked 227th overall, is Quentin Tarantino, the writer-director who uh, frequently appears in his own movies, and very, very occasionally in other movies. 
yeah, he's number 10. Now, first thing, uh, his, he's ranked 227th overall. Last year, the 10th ranked person in March was Gary Oldman, who was 183rd overall. So we're starting a bit lower on the totem pole than we have been previously. And Quentin Tarantino, obviously you've got his own movies, Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, and Glorious Bastards. Uh, he plays a voice in Jackie Brown. He was in Django Unchained. He's the narrator of The Hateful Eight. And uh, things like that. You know, he's in those movies. He's in Four Rooms, um, The Planet Terror, uh, Death Proof. And he's not... You know, those are tiny roles, but those in and of themselves wouldn't have been enough to put him on the top 10 list. He's also in Desperado. He's also in From Dusk Till Dawn. Those are the two that push him over the edge. Those are the ones that push him into, you know, top 200 territory. Uh, and so he could have even been higher on this list, and you'll see just how bunched up things are here in the bottom half of the top 10 list. Uh, but what kind of dra dragged him back down, and uh, he clung to this spot by a thread, so he's only separated from the next person down by 0.17 points in their score and four places overall. And those things that drag him down are Little Nicky. He's in Little Nicky. Not a good movie. Uh, he plays himself in She's Funny That Way. Not too good. And then a couple of sort of shorter films that he directed, he's in them. Or I don't know if he directed both of them. He's directed one of these. Um, where is he? Tarantino, there we go. Uh, he, he directed My Best Friend's Birthday, which is pretty bad. Uh, it's also incomplete, so you can only watch like half of it, I think. I found half of it, and... I don't know what happened to the other half. No one's really seen it. But what you do have is not great. It's not great. Uh, and then his worst film is called Leonard Cohen, colon, colon, Dance Me to the End of Love, which I did find, I think, on, like, YouTube or, or Vimeo or something. And uh, he's in it very briefly. It's a very short movie. And it's set to Leonard Cohen's song, and it's not anything, uh, really. And I don't know what he was doing in it. It came out, like, after Reservoir Dogs, which makes no sense to me. Uh, maybe it was made before then. Uh, I'm not sure. But it came out in, like, the mid-'90s. So I don't know where that came from or what happened to it. But that, those couple films are really dragging him down. Now, obviously, Tarantino, fantastic writer, fantastic director. As an actor, uh, I think he's fine. I think he's a fine actor as many writer, director, actors tend to be. Uh, there aren't a lot of those, but you know, you look at someone like Greta Gerwig who I think kind of hits it out of the park on all fronts and Tarantino is incredible as writing and directing and he's more than serviceable as an actor. Uh, he's strong in Pulp Fiction. I think he's fine and good in Reservoir Dogs. I like him in From Dusk Till Dawn as well. Uh, and it's, I'm curious, I'm interested, you know, I don't know why he hasn't pursued acting more. I'm sure that writing and directing takes up a lot of time, and maybe that's the easy answer. But 
you know, he definitely seems to have this sort of way about him that you don't see in a lot of movies and a lot of uh, actors, honestly. And he has a look, you know, you, you see him, he's a very distinctive looking person. He is unlike a lot of people that you look, see today. Um, he's not classically handsome the way that most actors tend to be. And that's also interesting. So uh, I, I, you know, I, I was watching movies from people toward the top of this list of top of the March actors lists. And I came to Tarantino and there really aren't a lot of movies uh, that he's in that I hadn't seen. Hence why some of them are sort of student films, short films and the like. But even still, it's, I, I don't know. I feel like he was like one or two roles away from really embracing the fact that he was able to do, to play all different sides of that role as a writer, director, and actor. And it's, it, you know, I'm always looking forward to his movies. I rewatched Inglorious Bastards fairly recently and loved it even more than the first time. You know, I was pretty lukewarm on it the first time. I thought it was pretty good, but not great. And on a rewatch, I was I was really into it. Uh, he's far more impressive and um, ranked far more far far higher in as a writer and as a director. Um, he's 15th overall in the director category. He's 14th overall as a writer with uh, my best friend's birthday, tracking those stats down as well. But even with that, he's still top 20, top 15 of all time. And he's all, he's not even in the top 200 as an actor, despite the fact that he's in most of the movies he's directed. So it is what it is. Um, he's not generally associated as an actor for good reason. I think he's first and foremost writer-director. I wouldn't even say he's more one more writer or director than the other. I would say they go hand in hand. He writes everything he directs, and um, he's really only written one or two things outside of what he's directed that I've seen, at least. So there's not a lot of parody going on. And at first, you know, looking at this top ten list, I was like, eh, I don't know. Tarantino doesn't really fit with the rest of these people on here. He's, you know, everyone else on this list is 100% first and foremost an actor. But, I mean, that shouldn't, that shouldn't matter. I, I, that's just how things shook out this time. And, you know, there's going to be a, I'm sure a year will come, a year and a month, where someone who isn't even actually an actor, like, makes one of these lists. Uh, you know, there's a good chance um, Stan Lee makes the list in the month he was born in. And I don't know what month that is. Um... Hold on. Because, you know, I, I recently added him to the list. And he's ranked 41st overall. He's born in December, so we got a long time to go before December. And December's a much, much better overall month. So it'll be a lot harder for him to stay in that. But even still, like, he's not an actor. But he's been in all the Marvel movies. And as, most, as many of them are generally uh, pretty good leads to him having a pretty high score so and for that for all those reasons and, and more you know I, i'm pleased to see tarantino represented on this list i think he's a good he's a good actor 
He's not a great one, but he is a good one. And in the movies where he actually has like a significant role, whether he gave that role to himself or not, I think he does a good job with what he's got. And he pulls it off pretty well. So for me, number 10, number 227 overall is Quentin Tarantino. Moving on to number nine, we have born March 23rd, 1959 in Florida with 37 film credits to her name and an average film rating of 59.59, two Oscar nominations, a value of 11, which is the second highest value in the top 10, uh, 59.59 being the lowest average film rating in the top 10. She is a total score of 67.54 and is ranked 217th. So we still have not quite reached where Gary Oldman was last year. Uh, and this is Catherine Keener. If you remember last year, Catherine Keener was ranked number one in March. She was 22nd overall. I had seen 31 films. I've now seen 37. So we're six films later. Uh, I had already seen Get Out at that point. So Get Out, as, as great as that movie is, it did bump her up when I saw it then. And now it, uh, well, it didn't impact, it didn't, it isn't part of the reason she is dropped, for is what I'm getting at. She had a 65.71 average film rating back then. That has dropped about six, a little more than six whole points. And uh, the other stats after that are kind of irrelevant because they're calculated differently. So, uh, just looking at some of these movies, um, being John Malkovich, Out of Sight, Living in Oblivion, Into the Wild, Captain Phillips, Please Give, Get Out, Begin Again, Enough Said, Trust, Adaptation, Capote, Walking and Talking, The Croods, Cyrus, A Late Quartet, The 40-Year-Old Virgin, Lovely and Amazing, Where the Wild Things Are, The Interpreter. Those are all the movies I've rated good to great to amazing. I'd already seen them. She is only I've only seen average to bad movies that Catherine Keener has been in in the last year. Which include Full Frontal, I think is average, fine. An American Crime is okay. Uh, it's nothing too good. Uh, nostalgia is not good. It's bad. I think Bad Grandpa I saw within the last year. That's not very good either. November Criminals I didn't like. Hamlet 2 was bad and very strange. It's a Steve Coogan movie. He's a... Um, He's a playwright that teaches a drama high school class, and all of the other extracurricular activities at that class at that school get canceled. So all the kids join drama, and he's been work. He's been you know doing all the putting on these plays that he's adapting from previously written material. And so he finally decides he's going to write his own thing because all his previous performances have sucked, and he writes Hamlet two, the sequel to Hamlet. Uh, which is ludicrous. And I don't remember the precise plot. It has to do with Hamlet going back in time to prevent uh, the poison from from permeating throughout the entire uh, hall and killing everybody. And along the way, as you'll see in the movie, he meets a ton of other people. It's also a musical. It is absolutely batshit bonkers. But it's really bad. It's it's really bad. Uh, Simone, S1M0NE, which is an Al Pacino movie, where Al Pacino creates a virtual actor, female actor, who can act as well as 
everyone. So the premise to that movie is pretty fascinating. And there's a lot of like, we're already kind of on that wavelength in a way, you know, there's been, there was a thing on Reddit not too long ago called deep fakes where people are putting the face of one person on the body of another person. And so naturally that led to like Nicolas Cage being in every single movie as every single character everywhere. Uh, and a lot of other different things. Um, and so like, that's the first step, you know, this is exactly what this movie is about. It's, it's taking a woman that, that Al Pacino creates virtually and, and, imbuing her with you know i think when he's like designing her body and shape and all that he's like oh give her the smile of audrey hepburn and the lips of you know and then then he puts her in his movies he's a director and he you know when he wants katherine hepburn he wants meryl streep when he wants you know whoever he can get that exactly that from this person and so that's just I feel like it's not as far away as we think it is. The movie itself is very messy, but the premise is is definitely something to look into. And then I think the other film that I hadn't seen before was Accidental Love. And I don't really remember anything about that. Accidental Love. What do we got? Nope, I'd seen that a while ago. It's not that one. What just happened? What just happened? Nope, I'd seen that one already. I don't know. Uh, so Hamlet 2, Simone, November Criminals, Bad Grandpa, Nostalgia, and American Crime. It probably wasn't Bad Grandpa then, because it's American Crime and Full Frontal. So those are the six. And yeah, she has dropped pretty significantly. I believe it, there were points where she was actually off the list uh, entirely, which would have been insane for her to drop from first to not applicable. But she does retain ninth place and six films so that was kind of what I'm looking at so I was looking at all these how many films I'd seen everybody in and the number I wanted to hit was five I wanted to have seen at least five new films from every single person who's previously on this list uh, especially if they were still in the top ten uh, a week ago, you know, I wanted to make sure I'd seen a significant number of movies that they'd been in so that there would be a significant difference to, uh, their ranking for good or for bad. And, you know, Catherine Keener, I got it to six. Uh, that felt pretty good. Some people, uh, just happened to go even further. Um, but so for example, Gary Oldman, who is not in the top 10 this month, he was 10th last month or last year. He did not make it this time. Uh, at the time last year, I'd seen 31 films, same as Catherine Keener. I've now seen 37, so I'd seen six again, and that dropped him down. He's in the top 20. He is 20th. He's currently ranked 20th, so he's still in spitting distance. But uh, you know, six films from him dropped him just like it did Catherine Keener, which is fairly customary for a lot of people on this list except some of the people at the top, which uh, we'll get to in a minute. So Catherine Keener, I still love her. I think she's awesome. I I think she's great. Uh, I want, you know, I I loved her in Get Out. I want to see more 
I want her to get more roles, bigger roles. You know, she is a fantastic actor who, you know, two Oscar nominations. She's clearly well-respected and well-regarded and has gives great performances. She has the most films rated in the 90s out of anyone in this top 10 uh, at seven. You know, the next highest person in the top 10 has four, and she is seven. Um, I just think, you know, being John Malkovich, out of sight, living in oblivion, such good movies, fantastic movies, and she's great in all of them. So I really hope she can she can like be in more things, um, which is another thing I wanted to do that I usually do when I didn't do. I'll do it. I guess I'll do it for Tarantino too, since I missed that already. But Catherine Keener, um, as I said, I've seen 37 of her films at this point. She's got 65 credits on Letterboxd. Uh, which includes uh, unreleased films. Let's not include those. 62 credits. So I've seen 60% of the movies she's been in. The most popular one isn't even a movie. It's Show Me a Hero, which was like a TV miniseries a few years ago. The most popular movie she's in that I haven't seen on Letterboxd is Friends with Money. There's also The Ballad of Jack and Rose, Elephant Song, Your Friends and Neighbors, Johnny Swade. Is that Brad Pitt? It is Brad Pitt. Switch from 1991. Box of Moonlight from 96. A lot of old films. Um, So yeah, there's that. And then if we look at some of the newer movies that haven't come out yet. So uh, from last year, there was We Don't Belong Here, which I haven't seen yet. But that might be like a festival movie maybe it has Anton Yelchin in it but it is not his last movie and then she's going to be in Incredibles 2 that's awesome she's going to be in Sicario 2 that's great and she's going and she's another movie called Little Pink House um so according to this she plays the voice of Evelyn DeVore in Incredibles 2 I don't know who that is in Little Pink House. She is the lead. That's awesome. Super excited. Uh, it deals with the super uh, Supreme Court decision in Kilo versus City of New London um, about um, a struggle to save their homes from political and corporate interests spent on seizing the land and handing it over to Pfizer Corporation. So, great. I'm glad she's got irons in the fire. I'm excited to see more of her movies. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. All right. Uh, and then just to kind of recheck on, on Tarantino, um, some of the movies he's been in that I haven't seen, uh, really, very strange. Um, so we got, let's see, Sukiyaki Western Django, Not Quite Hollywood, Corman's World, The Cutting Edge, Full Tilt Boogie, Girl 6, The Muppets, Wizard of Oz, Curdled. I've never even heard of half of these movies. But, okay. Sure. A lot of them. Cool. A lot of movies. A lot of movies. And it does not have, well, I guess maybe let me see, director, sort by newest. His next movie doesn't come out for a couple of years, so he's not uh, 
He's a he's well out. He, he we're well well away from his next movie called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Interesting. All right. That is Quentin Tarantino and Catherine Keener. Moving on to number eight, we have another person who was on the list last year. Uh, born March 16th, 1971 in Texas with 27 film credits and an average film rating of 62.44. No Oscar nominations, a value of 9.5, and a score of 67.64, ranked 210th overall. Still outside the top 200 is Alan Tudyk. Again, still lower than Gary Oldman was rated last year in 10th place. Alan Tudyk drops just one spot. So he was 7th last year. He is 8th this year. I've seen 5 films that he's been in. He was ranked 85th overall a year ago. He is now 210th. So that's a drop of 125 spots. Pretty substantial. Not as substantial as Catherine Keener. Uh, In the 5 films that I've seen him in, his average film rating has dropped from 68.77 to 62.44, a drop of 6.33 points. Uh, pretty bad. But, um, you know, Alan Tudyk, he's still well-respected, highly rated, not the worst situation. Um, looking through his films, let's see, what do we got here? I did watch A Knight's Tale within the last year, but I'd already seen it, so that didn't really change anything. Uh, what do we got? What do we got? Trumbo, Dodgeball, iRobot, Wonder Boys is the best film uh, that he's in that I've seen in the last year, and it's just average. I think it's fine. Not great. He was in 42. He plays a racist white baseball player. Um, yeah. Um, Lennon or McCartney? I guess I saw that within the last year, didn't I? That's a, yep, that was like March, April, I think it's a, I think it was like in April I saw that, so it's been a year since that, uh, what else, what else, what else, Maze Runner, nope, Ice Age, The Great Eggscapade, I've seen that in the last year, that's no good, Astro Boy versus the Junkyard Pirates. So this is a short film that was kind of a DVD extra for the Astro Boy movie that came out in the late aughts. I haven't seen the actual feature movie. Uh, and I don't know if I'd even rec- recognize that it existed outside of this short film that I saw. Uh, it would have been a while before I, I realized it was a thing. Because, I don't know, Astro Boy was never a thing for me. I never caught on to it. I don't know, I think it was like a Saturday morning morning cartoon at one point. Um, And it's definitely from like the 80s or something, the 90s maybe. Just totally missed me. I was not the right audience. Anyway, this short film though, if you can even call it that, it's like seven minutes long. It involves Astro Boy and a couple of his buddies in a junkyard um, fighting guys in, also in the junkyard who, I don't know, they, like, want to keep their scrap metal. I don't know, it's totally incoherent, totally out of nowhere, doesn't make any sense, uh, big, big zero, big fat old zero, well, it's not a zero, it's a five, but you get the idea, it's not, not very good at all. Uh, yeah, so, Again, you know, it's tough. A lot of these people, especially people in like with like 20 movies that I've seen already, 
not easy to find good movies that they've been in that I haven't seen, because I've seen most of them. Uh, especially people who primarily have acted in the 2000s and 2010s. Um, even for someone as prolific as Alan Tudyk, you know, he's a, a voice actor that I really like. He was in Zootopia, Moana, uh, Wreck-It Ralph, Big Hero 6. You know, he's he's well-traveled, very, very popular. And it's not exactly um, easy. You know, it's not easy to find extra things. So looking at his letterbox, the most popular film he's in that I haven't seen is Serenity. I'm pretty sure it was the same movie last year when I did this. Uh, it will not... I will definitely watch Serenity between now and next year. I just... You know, I just... I can't... I have to watch the show. I have to watch Firefly. I've only seen the first episode. It's really good. I just need to find the time. I also have to do because uh, Serenity is one of uh, Kyle's top 300... Or top 250 movies. And I have two of those left as of this recording. I have Serenity and Fitzcarraldo. I have to watch both of those and uh, complete his top 250. Excited to do that. Uh, that being said, Alan Tudyk is going to be in... He was recently in Rogue One back in 2016. Uh, last year, he was in Star vs. the Forces of Evil, The Battle for Muni, which I don't know anything about, but it's a thing that people kind of liked, I guess. Never heard of it. But he's going to be in Ralph Breaks the Internet, Wreck-It Ralph 2. That is a big one. I'm really looking forward to it. And I, I hope it's good. It doesn't come out till November. we got a long ways to go. It's got a huge cast. John C. Riley, Sarah Silverman, James Corden, Jack McBriar, Jane Lynch, uh, Mandy Moore, Aoi Cravalho from Moana, Kristen Bell, Taraj B. Henson, Kelly McDonald, Anika Noni Rose, Jody Benson, Alan Tudyk, Ming-Na Wen, Edina Menzel, uh, Jennifer Hale, Anthony Daniels. The cast is insane. What a fantastic voice cast. Incredible. Super excited for this. It's the only film on Letterboxd that Tudyk is uh, in that's not out yet. So I'm sure there are other projects he's involved in, but for now, that's it. So Alan Tudyk, it's a shame he dropped a little bit. Uh, hopefully, Ralph Breaks the Internet can boost his score. Hopefully. I mean, I just want the movie to be good, so that would be what would happen. But for now, he is ranked 8th overall, or 8th in March, 210th overall. Moving on to number 7, born March 30th, 1950. Um, in the United Kingdom... Uh, with 20 film credits, an average film rating of 64 even, a value of 9.5, no Oscar nominations, and a score of 67.68, ranked 207th overall, we're still outside the top 200, is Robbie Coltrane. If you don't recognize that name, I don't blame you, Robbie Coltrane, not really a household name, but you've, I'm sure you've seen him in Harry Potter, he is Hagrid. He's in all eight Harry Potter movies. It's a big reason why he's uh, so highly rated. He also voices a character in Brave. He's in Ocean's 12. He's in Goldeneye, which is one of the recent films I've seen him in. 
Uh, he's in the Johnny Depp movie From Hell, the 2004 Van Helsing movie with Hugh Jackman. He's a voice in Arthur Christmas, which is really good, a voice in The Tale of Despero. He was in 2012's Great Expectations. He's a voice in 2009's The Gruffalo. He was in Alex Ryder, Operation Stormbreaker, back in 2006, which is not so good. Uh, Absolute Beginners, which is really good. He's in that, too. The Gruffalo sequel, The Gruffalo's Child. 1997's Buddy. Man, I haven't looked at that poster in a while. And uh, that's it. 20 movies. Fascinating, though, if you scroll down his uh, letterbox page. So you're looking at the top of it. The first movie on this list, on first movie poster, as far as I can tell, that has actually has a picture of Robbie Coltrane on it. Hmm. It's, um... Might not even be... Nuns on the... No. Van Helsing, The Gruffalo's Child. Slipstream, Gooby. Buddy. It's... Uh, it's... It's like the... Uh, let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. It is the twelfth line down, so the like mid to late forties as far as popularity is concerned. Rolled Rolled Dolls Danny the Champion of the World from nineteen eighty nine is the most popular film that I believe I believe, based on what I'm looking at, that has Robbie Coltrane's picture on the poster. Starring Jeremy Irons, Robbie Coltrane, Samuel Irons, and others that I don't recognize. I haven't seen it, uh, but that's not too un, uh, too strange. You know, he's not really a, a, a lead. He's a supporting actor, and he's fantastic at it. But that's where it becomes interesting, because as soon as you hit Danny, the champion of the world, the next movie, he's on the cover. The Pope Must Die, cover, Montana, cover. Uh, and then you get to a point where he's on the cover of Every single thing, front and center. Uh, he's in so many movies called Cracker, where he plays Cracker. Um, or no, he's uh, Dr. Eddie Fitz, Fitzgerald. It's like a British TV movie thing. But then he's also perfectly normal, um, on the nose, Murderland. Tutti Frutti from 1987. Uh, all these Cracker movies. Holy crap. The Plan Man is his least popular. The Bogeyman, 1992. And, and no, I just found that interesting. Like I scrolled down to the bottom and it's just like all of a sudden it's just Robbie Coltrane's faces on every single poster. I found that interesting. Yeah, uh, he was not on the list last year. This is his debut in seventh place. Pretty solid debut. Uh, as I mentioned, Alan Tudyk was 7th before. And 7th place last year was ranked 85th overall. Robbie Coltrane not even in the top 200. So, big difference. Uh, outside of let's see, his, again, I've seen 20 movies that he's been in, including all the Harry Potters. GoldenEye is, I think, the only movie on this list. Oh no, GoldenEye, Alex Ryder, Operation Stormbreaker, and I think Great Expectations I've seen fairly recently. And 
overall, those three films probably brought his average score down. Uh, so, you know, he would have been even higher, but he ended up dropping. So he could have been top five, I think. Easily would have been probably fourth overall uh, without either Great Expectations or Alex Ryder, Operation Stormbreaker, but they pushed him down just below uh, number six. You'll see almost as low as Alan Tudyk. You know, he's only three spots away. Like I said, Quentin Tarantino, Catherine Keener, Alan Tudyk, Robbie Coltrane. Uh, there's 20 spots separating the four of them. Not a very expansive uh, representation just yet. So I like Robbie Coltrane a lot. I don't really think of him outside of Hagrid, though. I don't think a lot of people can. He's probably forever associated with it. But he was in a couple of 007 movies. He's in GoldenEye, which I've seen. He's also in The World Is Not Enough, which I haven't seen. Uh, some of the other movies he's in that I haven't seen, popular ones, Flash Gordon, he's in Flash Gordon, National Lampoon's European Vacation, The Brothers Bloom, which I'm meaning to watch, uh, I'm really excited to see that, uh, 1983's Krull, 1986's Mona Lisa, 1989's Henry V, and 1986's Caravaggio, um, starring a lot of people as well. So definitely some films from him that I haven't seen that are pretty prominent names. Definitely movies I recognize. Flash Gordon, Brothers Bloom, um, Henry V, World is Not Enough. So that's going to be interesting to see what exactly happens to him as I kind of expand my view of, of the movies that he's been in. Because I think, well, I mean, I think there's definitely a chance that, like, that he could actually move up. Uh, one of the few people who really does have that opportunity. I've heard good things about Brothers Bloom, you know, Flash Gordon, supposed to be campy, silly, potentially fun. Henry V, I think, is supposed to be very good as well. So I, I'm interested to see what happens with that. Um, as far as upcoming movies, really doesn't have any. Uh, he his last credit is from 2016 on Letterboxd. It's called National Treasure. No, not the Nicolas Cage version. Uh, but a British movie where Paul Finchley, played by Robbie Coltrane, is a bona fide national treasure. Half of a popular long-running comedy double act. It uh, looks more like a mm, miniseries than a film, though. Uh, he was in Effie Gray, starring Dakota Fanning and Emma Thompson back in 2014. Uh, but his his work has been fairly small. So, I don't know, maybe he's just taking a break. I don't know if he's still working much. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. I like Robbie Coltrane a lot. I'm I'm happy to see him on this list. If he doesn't make it next year... I get it. I mean, obviously, I don't know if anyone will ever be on the list every single year, depending on how long I'm able to do this, but he is someone I think deserves it. He's so good as Hagrid. He's so iconic, and I don't think you can ever see him out not Hagrid, even without the beard, even when he's in a movie where he's not wearing the beard, where he's not wearing the big fur coat, where he's not, you know, where he's not got Fang right by his side, where... Uh, even then, I just am like, it's Hagrid. I just, it's a Hagrid. That's, that's Hagrid. 
That's all he is. He's Hagrid. He's just Hagrid. So Robbie Coltrane, number seven in March, number two thousand two hundred and seven overall. Moving on to number six, born March twenty second, nineteen thirty five, the oldest living name on this list, from New York, with twenty two film credits and an average film rating of sixty four point three two. No Oscar nominations, a value of 9, and a score of 67.96. Uh, so about three-tenths of a point higher than Robbie Coltrane. Ranked 199th overall, so only eight spots above him, is M. Emmett Walsh. He is a pretty recognizable character actor who has frequently collaborated with the Coen brothers on a lot of things, and uh, that's been really great for his score on this this spreadsheet he was not uh, one of the top 10 last year so here we are we are at number six overall we are still lower overall ranked than gary olden was in number 10th last year haven't quite passed that bar but M. Emmett walsh has been in some fantastic films including raising arizona which is my favorite movie he's been in but Calvary is also fantastic. Love Calvary. He plays a voice in The Iron Giant. He was in Steve Martin's The Jerk. Uh, Ordinary People, Best Picture winner. Ordinary People is great. Uh, what else? Blood Simple is great. Midnight Cowboy is great. Reds is really good. Slapshot's really good. Uh, Youth and Revolt, Silkwood, Fletch, Serpico. They might be giants. Those are all pretty solid movies. Uh, some of them I've seen fairly recently. Um, including Serpico, They Might Be Giants, Fletch, Silkwood. I've seen all those pretty recently. Then we get into the mm, not-so-great ones. Um, A Time to Kill, Back to School, Racing Stripes. <laughs> if you... I have this... I own this movie on DVD at home when I was a kid. Racing Stripes, about the zebra voiced by Frankie Muniz, who wants to be a horse and race look at the horses. He's also in Wild Wild West has an incredible theme song harry and the hendersons snow dogs everyone loves snow dogs uh chasing 3000 with bernie mac arthur newman with colin firth is the worst movie on this list and that is the thing so all the movies from mm at wash that i've seen recently are good ones silkwood good fletch good serpico good they might be giants good big boost to his score overall and uh, brought him up from, you know, wherever he was ranked before that. That's not a huge, they're not really big moving, they're not movies that are going to bring him up a lot, you know, they were all rated in the 60s, but combined, you know, that's two full points of value that he had, has now, they didn't have before. He is, uh, actually has the lowest value of anyone on this list, which is kind of surprising that, you know, he's able to rank above people with lower value, but they have smaller average film ratings. You know, his is 64.32, which is pretty good. It's better than um, everyone we've seen so far, except for Quentin Tarantino, and is better than the next two people above him, which is saying something. But I think he owes most of this just to the fact that he collaborates with the Coen brothers, and he does so really well. Blood Simple, uh... And Raising Arizona are, are great. He's great in them. Uh, and 
there's just there's a lot of stuff that he's been in you know Blade Runner where you you kind of just he's not the biggest part of the movie he's not going to be the one who you know he's not going to really give you exactly the 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 heart of the movie he's not going to be the person that draws you back again and again and again but every time you watch that movie every time you see him in it you're going to be like yeah that's right he's great he fills the role perfectly he's able to uh, compliment everyone else in the movie and give you exactly what you want exactly what you need at that time in that moment perfectly and i think he's so great at that even the movies that are bad even the snow dogs even the chasing 3000s you know bad movies all around but he's not bad in them he know he's a character actor who has honed his craft to be so sharp and so precise that he just he gets it he gets the characters he's playing and he doesn't need them to have huge emotional arcs he doesn't need them to you know be in the spotlight he's or I assume I don't know I'm not not to put words in in M. Emmett Walsh's mouth, but I, I feel like he's content with uh, the position he's in as an actor and then what he's been able to provide to the rest of the film community. So I think that yeah I, I, he's been in a lot of movies, so he's got 125 credits on Letterboxd. I've seen less than 20% of his movies. Some of the more recent things that I haven't seen. Boiling Pot, The Scorpion King 4, Quest for Power, Toes. These are all from like 2014, 2015. Hasn't been in a movie since 2015. Might not be in any more movies. I don't know. As far as his popular movies that I haven't seen, the most popular one on Letterboxd is My Best Friend's Wedding, starring Julia Roberts, Dermot Mulroney, Cameron Diaz, Rupert Everett, Philip Bosco, M. Emmett Walsh at the end. Uh, uh, he's also in Escape from the Planet of the Apes, which I have not yet seen. Uh, I've seen the first two of the older Planet of the Apes movies. I have not seen that one yet. 1986's Critters, he's in that. 1972's What's Up, Doc? <clears throat> Little Big Man, excuse me, with Dustin Hoffman. Uh, the. <clears throat> Odd Life of Timothy Green, Straight Time, also with Dustin Hoffman. A lot of movies, definitely, that I have to see yet. And, uh, you know, the further you scroll down, there's plenty more that I still recognize. You know, The Gambler, Free Willy 2, Twilight, Camp Nowhere, Alice's Restaurant, Airport 77, Wildcats. Uh, you know, he, he's been in so many things. The Best of Time times the mighty quinn white sands albino alligator i don't know how i recognize the names of these but nickelodeon from 1976 a lot of movies a lot of movies chairman of the board from 1998 starring carrot top oh boy that's gonna be fun to watch to hate watch uh (laughs) okay uh m emmett walsh fantastic character actor and uh, love what he does, and I hope he sticks around and, and continues to act as long as he, he so chooses. He's ranked 199th overall, 6th in March. And let's move on to number 5. Born March 29th, 1955, in Ireland, with 35 
film credits that I've seen. An average film rating of 60.74. No Oscar nominations and a value of 10.5 for a total score of 67.96, which is exactly rounded to the second decimal place, the same number as what M.M. Walsh has. However, if you go to three or four or however many you need, Brendan Gleeson, that is who this is. Brendan Gleeson is one spot higher than M.M. Walsh at 198th overall. Again, still ranked lower than where Gary Oldman was before. So, Brendan Gleeson. This fucking guy. He is uh, one of my favorite actors. I think he's amazing. I think he's he's been in so many great movies. Uh, he's the second most... He is the second highest film count that I've seen in this top 10. You know, only second only to Catherine Keener, who's at 37. Uh, Brendan Gleeson is at 35. And last year, he was ranked fourth overall. And I'd seen 27 films. So I've seen eight films he's been in in the last year or so. That's a lot. Uh, let me see if I can kind of pick those out here. So in the last year, we've got... Paddington 2 very good movie really liked Paddington 2 good one, good one, good one, good one uh, Albert Nobbs is pretty good, I like Albert Nobbs Trespass Against Us is okay it also stars Michael Fassbender uh, Suffragette is fine, Michael Collins just the other side of fine, so barely bad, but yeah Green Zone, I didn't really like. Um, Hampstead, I thought was pretty bad, pretty awful. The first Lake Placid, I finally watched. I'd seen the second and third ones. I had not seen the first one. It's awful. So that's, is that eight? Lake Placid, Hampstead, Green Zone, Michael Collins, Suffragette, Trespass Against Us, Albert Nobbs, and... Paddington 2. I think that's 7. I don't know. Uh, anyway, those are the ones I've seen. I think overall, he probably actually lost value, so you know, you compare him to before. He had 27 films, now he has 35. He had an average film rating back then of 65.85. He has dropped more than 5 points of that, down to 60.74. Pretty significant drop. I don't know exactly what he was rated overall back then. Uh, I've listened back to that episode that I recorded to try and find that number. I didn't mention it on that episode, unfortunately. So I don't know what it was, but it was somewhere between 44th and 66th. Probably closer to 66th. And now he is 198th. So he's dropped over 100 spots. But everyone around him has dropped. So he only went from 4th to 5th place. And he's still solidly in the top half of the top 10 in March. Which is pretty awesome. And he's awesome. Like he, He's just a great actor. I love Brendan Gleeson. I, I love seeing him th in things. I love seeing that he's going to be in a movie when I go to see it. It makes me that much more excited to see the movie, that much more excited to just watch it, enjoy it, etc. It's, uh, it's definitely a big draw for me. It's something I'm really... Really, really into, really, really happy with, and he makes movies so good. It, it's it's imp it's incredible. You know, he 
has never been nominated for an Oscar, which I think is absolutely frustrating. I, I think he's really great, and he's gone somewhat underappreciated, in my opinion, in the last all the years that he's been acting. Because for my money, you know, his role, his performance in In Bruges, uh, in Calvary is incredible. He's so good in Calvary. Please, uh, if you haven't seen Calvary, if you don't know anything about that movie, go watch it. Brendan Gleeson, Emma Mitt Walsh, Donald Gleeson is in it as well. I think son and father, right? But they don't play son and father in the movie. They have a scene together that is incredible. Uh, Brendan Gleeson plays a pastor, priest, and Donald Gleeson is like this criminal in jail. I, I want to say he's like a child rapist. I don't think it's that, but I think it's something like that with that sort of a, um, what's the term I'm looking for? With that kind of a, a reputation, a stigma, stigma, with that kind of a stigma around it, something very awful. And there's a scene that the two have together that's fantastic. And knowing that they're like blood, that like it's like, oh man, we... I raised you, and now I have to pretend that you're this... Oh my gosh, the... So great, so great. And and that's just like the tip of the iceberg. Gangs of New York, Perrier's Bounty, Paddington 2, again, Cold Mountain. Um, his turns, his turn in the Harry Potter movies. The Guard with... Uh, oh, what's his name? What's his name? What's his name? I am looking at his picture. Uh, Don Cheadle. The Guard with Don Cheadle is really good, too. I really like the bre- uh, Breakfast on Pluto. I don't think it's for everybody, and uh, it might just have appealed to me, but I really like it. Uh, the Pirates, Band of Misfits, and Song of the Sea are two really good voice performances, as well as The Secret of Kells. I think all of those are really good movies. 28 Days Later, uh, he's in that, too. So, uh, Braveheart, Artificial Intelligence, Troy... Mission Impossible 2. A wide swath of movies. And he's been in a ton. Uh, Letterboxd puts him at 71 movies. And I think that's not nearly enough. Not nearly enough. He deserves to be in 300 movies. He's so good, guys. He is so good. I love Brendan Gleeson. So happy to see him still on this top 10 list. Uh, Fingers crossed he stays there for another year. According to Letterboxd, he has uh, no movies to come out after Paddington 2. The most recent film to come out that I haven't seen is called Alone in Berlin from 2016, starring Emma Thompson, Brendan Gleeson, and Daniel Bruhl. So might have to check that one out. And some of the more popular movies I haven't seen that he's been in include The Raven, from 2012, Stonehearst, Stonehearst Asylum from 2014, The Tailor of Panama 2001, 2002's Dark Blue, uh, The Grand Seduction from 2014. I don't really recognize most of these movies. I don't really recognize any of these movies scrolling down. So, kind of exhausted all the, the good ones. Not necessarily good ones, but like the recognizable ones, the ones that get buzz and whatnot. So, not sure if diving deeper into his catalog is going to benefit him or not, but um, I feel like it might not. 
<laughs> to be honest. I feel like it might not. We'll see. So Brendan Gleeson, number five overall, number number five in March, number 198 overall. And the last person, number four in March, is the last person who kind of is on this tier. So from Quentin Tarantino to this person, they're all kind of within this small range uh, of of scores. And then we kind of make a huge jump uh, to the next person. So in number f- with in fourth in March, born March twenty first, nineteen sixty two, in New York, with twenty six film credits, an average film rating of sixty two point seven seven. No Oscar nominations, a value of ten, and a score of sixty eight point two nine. So about three point point three, three tenths of a point higher than Brendan Gleeson, ranked one hundred and eighty ninth overall. We are still outside of the Gary Oldman barrier to entry is Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick, who has been on this list before, he was ranked um, sixth. So he is the first person on this list to have moved up so far. And he's moved up two spots. Now, before he was ranked 78th overall. Now he is ranked 189th overall. So he's actually dropped 111 spots. Still moved up to four. He had, I'd seen 22 of his films then. I've seen 26 now. Only four new films of his. And uh, he had an average film rating of 69.45. It is down to 62.77. Pretty significant drop there. Almost five points. And some of the newer movies that of his that I've seen include... What do we got here? Bum, bum, bum. Lady Hawk, which I liked. I liked Lady Hawk. I thought it was pretty interesting... Uh, the fantasy element worked for me. I really enjoyed it. It had a lot of good stuff going on there. Uh, what else do we have? Um, Tower Heist. I watched that yesterday, two days ago. Uh, it has its moments. There's one line that Casey Affleck's character says that I really liked, where he, they're they're like talking. So they're gonna rob this penthouse in the tower that they all used to work at, and. I forget the the moment that sparks why the the line of dialogue that sparks why Ben Stiller is talking about how all these women that he has a picture of like they're going through the plan and like there's a picture of all these women and somebody references uh, that they're lesbians for one reason or another and the conversation quickly takes a hard left turn into just discussing like what they should do about these lesbians for whatever reason even though as Ben Stiller's character tries to get them back on track, you know, he's like, we don't, that's not the point. Like we don't care about them. They're not, they're not important. Um, and so at one point they like, somebody asks kind of generally, you know, like, do you get what I'm saying? And Casey Affleck's character responds like, yeah, we have to get past a gauntlet of lesbians, (laughs) which I, whatever you think about Casey Affleck, trying to avoid like even breaching that topic, but, that line, his delivery is perfect and I think that line is so great and I love the idea of just, you know, the way you refer to a collective of a, of a thing like like a herd of cattle or, or a parliament of owls I love the idea of it being a gauntlet of lesbians I think that is so awesome and so cool and, and should totally be the, the truth Tower Heist, not a great movie but not a good movie but um, had a couple of moments I guess I don't know Eddie Murphy's in it, which you haven't seen Eddie Murphy in a while. Um, and then 
the two worst movies that Matthew Broderick's been in I've seen recently, and those are The Stepford Wives, which I didn't find very good at all, and Biloxi Blues. He's so young in Biloxi Blues, uh, it's it's weird. It's really weird that he's so young in that movie. But, I mean, he is. I mean, everyone was that age at one point or another. But that's uh, Matthew Broderick. And so... You know he's prob you know he's obviously dropped as well as like everyone else here, but his stock rose because everyone around him fell even harder. You know there are a lot of names on this list that I haven't. You know we're looking at people. Gary Oldman did not make the list this time. Holly Hunter did not make the list this time. Uh, William H Macy did not make the list this time. Number three overall last year, Kevin Corrigan. Did not make the list this time. Number two overall last year, Michael Caine. Did not make the list this time. Big drops for a lot of these people who fell in the 15 to 20 range in March. And so we've got a lot of new blood. You know, the top three or the top two people this month, this year, are brand new. Were not on the list last year. But there's a reason for that. And Matthew Broderick. For all the all the stuff going on around him, stayed at number four with 26 films seen. Uh, he's got 64 credits on Letterboxd, and the most frequent, most popular movie on there that I haven't seen is called Oh Hello Colon on Broadway, which is from last year, uh, starring Nick Kroll, John Mulaney. And then Steve Martin and Matthew Broderick play themselves. It's on Netflix. And uh, you've got She's Having a Baby from 1988. 1997's Addicted to Love, Project X, Family Business, Mrs. Parker and the Vicious Circle, Strangers with Candy. Uh, a lot of films, actually, that I kind of recognize. Now that I'm looking through the list here. The Last Shot from 2004. Out on a Limb, 1992. Hmm. There's still there's a lot of Matthew Broderick to go around. Uh, he's, I think I said this last year, like I totally underestimate just how highly he he ranks overall, because I don't really think of him being in The Lion King. I know that that's his voice, but I don't really think of that being him. You know, I don't think of him being in Manchester by the Sea. You can count on me. Uh, you know, my first instinct is to go to. Uh, either Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which he's amazing in, or Election, which he's also very good in, and those are two of the better films he's been in. You know, I don't, you know, War Games doesn't come to mind. It's not really about him. There's a much bigger thing at play in that movie. Margaret, not really him. Uh, the Freshman actually is pretty interesting. I like The Freshman. It's an interesting approach to that subject. Uh, then you have Trainwreck, which he plays himself in. Uh, then you have Glory, Lady Hawk. Uh, the Lion King one and a half and B movie. So you know, there's not a ton of like really good movies that he's been in. They just happen to be fairly highly concentrated, and he's managed to avoid awful movies. That is the key. So Stepford Wives and Biloxi Blues are his two worst movies, and I've seen them recently, but neither of them crosses the line into awful. They're both very bad, but neither of them is quite yet awful, and that's a huge, huge difference uh, because. With the exception of the top two people on this top ten list, 
everyone else has at least one movie that's awful. Uh, you know, for example, Catherine Keener has six of them. Brendan Gleeson has five of them, and that's a huge, huge uh, mark against that person. Whereas Matthew Broderick, zero. He may have the most bad movies, so he has seven. No one else has more than six on this top ten list. But seven bad movies is worth three and a half awful movies. And, you know, when you have five awful movies, like Brendan Gleeson, like, that's a big deal. So that is kind of what's keeping him in this thing. And I think there's, you know, I think there's a good chance he's here next year, too. He could be one of the people that, that stays on for a third year, and I wouldn't be upset by that, actually. Uh, that, that'd be pretty nice. So, that being said, um, according to uh, Letterboxd, his newest movie coming out in 2018 is called Amusement Park, which is an animated movie from Nickelodeon Movies. So that's, pro that's a great, great sign. Starring the voice talents of Matthew Broderick, Jennifer Garner, Jeffrey Tambor, Keenan Thompson, Ken Jeong, Mila Kunis, John Oliver, and others. No idea what it's about, because that's literally what the synopsis says. The film stars, the voices, etc. Directed by Dylan Brown. Let me see, amusement park. See if I can get something. A story of a girl, some animals, and a magic amusement park. Thank you, IMDb. So, okay, not, not great. We'll see if... Uh, there are any other movies 2018 coming out that he's in and uh i'm sure i'll go back and watch some more old ones when the time comes so that's matthew broderick number four in march number 189th overall and now we move on to like i said there's a big gap here between numbers four and three as we really jump ahead we finally break through the gary oldman level and uh we get to number three, born March 24th, 1977, the second youngest person on this top 10 list. Born in California with 26 films that I've seen to their name, an average film rating of 64.42, two Oscar nominations, a film value of, a tw of 12, which is the highest out of all the people on this top 10 list, and a score of 71.82, ranked 125th overall, big jump, 64 spots up, uh, and that is Jessica Chastain. She's ranked third overall. Last year, she was ranked eighth. She has jumped up five spots. Last year, she had she was uh, 88th overall, so she has dropped um, 37 spots, but she's moved up five in March, which is pretty pretty big. Uh, last year, I'd seen 18 films she's been in. I've seen six, uh, 26 now, so I've seen eight new movies that Jessica Chastain has been in. Uh, last year, she had an average film rating of 69.44. The number has dropped to 64.42, so five whole points. But everyone else dropped more. Like, that's kind of the game uh, in this sense. So, some of the new new movies of hers. So, I've seen eight new movies of hers. Let's see if I can find them all looking through this. Uh, we've got... Um, is that new? I don't even know. I don't think so. The Debt from 2010. Nah, I've definitely seen that already. Uh, we have The Disappearance of Eleanor Rigby, Her. So there's three of them. So there's The Disappearance of Eleanor Rigby, Her, Him, and Them. 
Her is the really good one. Them and him, I think, are bad. So that's three. Uh, you've got Molly's Game, which I liked. Miss Julie, I think, is okay. That's five. Oh, boy. I Am Jane Doe. Came out last year. So, yeah, had to have seen that. That's six. Touch of Evil, which is a short film, is just the other side of bad. That's seven. And then Scripted Content, which is another short film where she plays herself, is uh, eight. Scripted Content, which is the worst... Well, I guess it's not. Uh, Disappearance of Eleanor Rigby, him, is the worst new film of hers I've seen. But... Scripted content is this cute little short film. I think it's on, on YouTube. You should check it out. She plays herself. It's uh, a fan, like, sits next to her on a park bench and tries to take her picture. It's cute. It's funny. It's, like, three minutes long. I enjoyed it. Looked like she had a lot of fun. Jessica Chastain is amazing. She's so, so amazing. I love her so much. And I think it's a sh uh, you know, she's great in Molly's Game this year. Uh, it's a shame she didn't get nominated for her performance. Um, not that I would have nominated her, but I think she deserved more consideration than she got, but it's not me making that decision. She's really good. Uh, the, the Disappearance of Eleanor Rigby is such an interesting film, and, and you know, it has three variations. I watched all three in the same day. The The her variation is by far my favorite, one, it encompasses the most Jessica Chastain of any of the three movies. And I think on top of her being a much better actor than James McAvoy, I also think that her story in the movie is significantly better and, and much more interesting. And it's mostly... And I mean, part of that is her and her being such a great actor. But she's... Um, She's awesome. She does such a great job in that movie. It is frustrating a little. You know, I, I didn't realize this. You know, she was born in 1977. So that makes her 41 years old, which I, I, I totally buy that. I don't think, I, it's not that I think she looks like she's 20. But when you look at some of them, like she didn't start really working in movie, making movies until 2008 with the movie Jolene which I've seen, and I think it's fine. Uh, it's not anything special. It's actually one of her worst movies, but like, eh, she's good in it. But like, that was 10 years ago. She's been acting in movies for 10 years. She's got almost 50 credits on Letterboxd. She has 47 credits on Letterboxd. And she just kind of came out of nowhere and now she's in everything and I'm not upset about that whatsoever so some of the movies from her that I haven't seen Mama from 2013 is the most popular one uh, she's uh, uh, Texas Killing Fields from 2011 Seduced and Abandoned 2013 The Color of Time 2012 Woman Walks Ahead last year Unity 2015, although I guess maybe Woman Walks Ahead is, is this year, sort of, too. I think it is. Hmm. I don't know. I think it technically is going to come out this year, but it was like Festivals 2017. So, 
some good some movies that I haven't seen uh, that I've definitely known about, interested in. And the further you go down, like the more there are plenty of movies to track uh, for her, which is crazy. Like I feel like 26 movies in 10 years is a pretty good number, but she's been in almost double that. And then newer movies. Uh, so she's going to be in X-Men Dark Phoenix. Uh, I don't know she plays, it doesn't tell me, but I know she's in talks to play um, the older Sophia Lillis character in the It sequel, which is interesting. Uh, I think that's a great choice. I think she'll be fantastic in that movie as that character. And everything, like anything she's scheduled to be in, anything she's working toward. Uh, Painkiller Jane is on the docket. It doesn't have a release date. Plus One, The Division, George and Tammy, Seducing Ingrid Bergman. There are so many movies coming up that she could be in. Uh, it Chapter 2 as Beverly Marsh. That's the name I was looking for. Uh, these are the movies I'm interested in. I think that they could be really interesting, really cool, really fascinating but, I mean, I think that of any movie that she's ever been in. So, <laughs> take that with a grain of salt. Uh, but Jessica Chastain, I love her. I think she's awesome. I'm so impressed by the uh, the filmography she's part of. Zero Dark Thirty, Coriolanus, Take Shelter, The Help, Interstellar, The Martian, Miss Sloan, The Debt, Lawless, The Most Violent Year, uh, Crimson Peak, The Tree of Life. These are all really good movies. And... I think she's she's great in pretty much all of them, and it's I'm I wish she was ranked higher. Uh, there were she's kind of floated in the top three spots all for the last month or so as I've been watching more movies from these people. She's been first, second, third. Might have dropped even lower than that at one point or another, but she is firmly third right now, and uh, I'm very happy with that positioning, to be honest. So that's Jessica Chastain, number three in March, number 125 overall. Moving on to number two. So we've counted through all the people I've already mentioned who were on the list last year. So we've only new people to go. Uh, this person, born March 1st, 1983, the youngest person on this list, with just eight film credits, born in Kenya, uh, the top two people also, neither of them American, born in Kenya with eight film credits, an average film rating of 78.50. Uh, for reference, the highest person before this for average film rating was Quentin Tarantino at 64.94. This person is 14 points above that at 78.5. Uh, with one Oscar nomination and win, the only person in this top 10 list to win an acting award at the Oscars, a value of 9.5 and a score of 72.3, ranked 113th overall, so about five, half a point above Jessica Chastain, is Lupita Nyong'o. She is Lupita Nyong'o, eight films, all right? So she was not on the, this list last year, and in the, mean in the meantime, I saw her in Star Wars The Last Jedi, which I thought was great. Black Panther, which I think is amazing, and uh, Star Wars, The Greatest Moments, which is a short sort of film conglomerate of all the Star Wars movies, which is fine. It's neither good nor bad, 
because it's mostly just moments that were in Star Wars. Uh, she's also been a voice in uh, The Jungle Book. She played... Um, not Ka. I don't remember who she plays in The Jungle Book. Why do I have to look this up? Um... Raksha. She plays Raksha in the Jungle Book. She is also in. She was also in the first uh, rebooted Star Wars trilogy, The Force Awakens. Uh, she was in Queen of Cotway, which I think is good. Nonstop, which I like, and of course her Oscar-winning turn in Twelve Years a Slave. There's really not much else there. There's eight movies. Eight. Uh, easily the lowest so far. Somehow not the lowest total number of movies in the top ten yet as the person above her has less movies. Movies uh, on her list that I haven't seen, that haven't come out yet, are not easy to find. So I would have watched more of her movies if I had the possibility. Uh, some of the other movies that she's been in, that she's in, that have come out, Secrets of The Force Awakens, A Cinematic Journey from 2016, which is a, a little more than an hour inside look at the making of The Force Awakens, which I haven't seen uh, Disneyland 60, 60th anniversary TV special, which I haven't seen. Uh, East River, which is a short film from 2009, which I tried to find and couldn't. And uh, This Is My Africa, which is a documentary from 2008 that she is in, which I also haven't seen. So, uh, you know, pretty much watched everything I could, and that's it. As far as films that haven't come out yet, uh, obviously Black Panther 2, she'll be in. Uh, there's a movie called Americana, with an H at the end, that uh, is in the works. It's starring Lupita Nyong'o and David Oyelowo. And then there's also, coming out in 2018, supposedly, a movie called Little Monsters. A washed-up musician teams up with a teacher and a kids' show personality to protect young children from a sudden outbreak of zombies. Starring... Lupita Nyong'o, Josh Gad, among others, but I don't recognize any others, so that's supposed to come out this year. Uh, I mean, I'm sure I'm going to see it, but I have no idea what it's about. It is, hold on, it is written and directed by Abe Forsyth, who I haven't seen any of his movies either. So I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Yeah, Lupita Nyong'o is great. She's fantastic in Black Panther. Uh, she is still, if I'm not mistaken, currently nominated on the Circle Film Awards. Yes, for Best Supporting Actor uh, for 2018 for her performance in Black Panther. Still very early in the year, so I don't expect that to hold true for the rest of the year. But I, I do think she deserves that position right now. And she's great in that movie. She's really good. She's really good in everything. There's a reason she won an Oscar for 12 Years a Slave when it was pretty much one of her first movies. And I fully agree. Uh, well, I say I don't fully agree, but like I, I significantly agree with that decision. I think she puts in a fantastic, fantastic performance. Um, looking at... If you go back to the 2013 Circle Film Awards, which you can find at circlefilm.com, they are there. She is nominated for supporting actor in that movie as well, alongside her co-star Michael Fassbender in the same category. And you also have um, Chiwetel Ejiofor nominated for Best Lead 
that year as well. Uh, we don't know who won those yet because I haven't released that, but she is in contention, and I think she is toward the top easily. Uh, that being said, I'm super pumped that she's second in March, depending, you know, so this is this is a tougher one. So it really depends on this uh, this monster movie, right? Like, if Little Monsters is bad, one bad movie could just completely throw her out of the top ten. Because of how few movies she's been in, she is that much more susceptible to a bad movie just destroying her score. And uh, she's been fortunate that Black Panther and Last Jedi both boosted it quite significantly. But uh, that's, um, you know, you can't bank on that every time. Uh, I don't know if she has other projects coming out this year. According to the movie database, she doesn't. So it might be all hinging on Little Monsters. We'll see. But that is Lupita Nyong'o ranked second in March, ranked 113th overall, which she was ranked 113th last year, would put her in ninth. Second and ninth. So let's move up to our number one. Uh, so what we know so far is that they have been in less than eight movies that I've seen. They are not in America, from America. They have no bad movies, and they didn't win an Oscar. This person, born March 12th, 1905, uh, that's 113 years ago. They passed away February 11th, 1982, at the age of 76. Uh, born in Japan, so this is also the only deceased person in this month's top 10 with six film credits and an average film rating of 87.83 uh, that is a huge number and to put that in perspective that is the 38th highest average film rating of anybody in the spreadsheet and is the third highest average film rating of people with six or more films in the, to their credit. Uh, moving back to the March list. Um, uh, anyway, 87.83, average film rating, highest. Uh, no film rated below a 77. So all six films rated between 77 and 97. No Oscar nominations, no wins. A value of 9.5 and a score of 75.38. So three whole points above Lupita Nyong'o to be ranked 75th overall, uh, which is a jump of about 40 spots. And if this person was ranked last year 75th, they would have been 6th overall. That gives you an idea of just how much this acting month has suffered. Uh, last year, they had three people in the top 50. This year, nobody outside, nobody is uh, higher than 75. And the people that are above 125 are people who weren't even in the top 10 last year. So, And this person is definitely not someone you're going to recognize, and that's Takashi Shimura. Right, who is that? Uh, so Takashi Shimura... And if I can inspire you to watch any of the movies that he's in that I've seen, uh, I have done my job. And I am perfectly committed. So, I've seen him in six movies. 
And if I'm not mistaken, they are all, maybe they're not, hold on, we got Kurosawa, 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 Kurosawa. They're all Kurosawa movies. He works with Kurosawa. And that's, you know, hey, if you can pair with a great director, more power to you. He is in um, an order of, I think, no, they're not in that order. In, let me see, I can put them in that order. In order of popularity, based on Letterboxd, uh, okay, Seven Samurai from 1954, where he plays uh, Kambei Shimada, who is the second credited person on Letterboxd, one of the seven samurai, if I'm not mistaken. He is in Rashomon from 1950, uh, also starring Toshiro Mifune, but Takashi Shimura is there playing the role of woodcutter. He is in Yojimbo, uh, where he is the sixth credited person, where he plays Tokuman, sake brewer. He is in Throne of Blood from 1957 as Noriyasu Odogora, fourth credited person. So, you know, you see he, he got more... He definitely was kind of in that rotation. He got some nice roles. Uh, he was in High and Low for 1963 as Chief of Investigation Section. And he was in Sanjiro from 1962 as Fuji. Sanjiro is the most recent of these six films that I've seen. And in my opinion, the best of these six films that I've seen. Uh, Sanjiro is the sequel to Yojimbo, kind of. It's you don't have to watch Yojimbo to watch Sanjiro, because it's mo it helps you with Toshiro Mifune's character. But other than that, you know the plots are completely irrelevant. They just share a, the same main character. Uh, man, uh, <laughs> I can't really speak much to Takashi Shimura as an actor, um, because again, most of his roles are fairly limited uh, and the ones that aren't that limited I don't really remember it's been so long since I've seen Seven Samurai but I, I so I don't really have much to say about that but these movies they're Kurosawa movies and Kurosawa is incredible uh, he is the 11th rated writer on my list and the biggest reason he is lower than he's outside the top 10 is because he gets a writing credit for every variation of the Magnificent Seven, which is a benefit if you're including the older one, uh, but it is a detriment if you're including the recent Chris Pratt and Denzel Washington version, which is just fine and is his lowest rated movie. As a director, he comes in at number 17 overall, with Dreams being his weakest film. Uh, it's average everything else is really good and uh the biggest problem i mean there's a lot more high quality directors without mistakes than there are writers uh, so there's that difference but that being said you know he again 17th with just eight movies everyone above him has, has at least 10 movies that they've directed so he he's definitely in good company there i think and so, you know, Takashi Shimura being in all of these Akira Kurosawa movies is only going to further Im Im improve his standing. So, uh, his most popular movie I haven't seen, 
is a Kurosawa movie, and it's called Ikaru from 1952, which has a 4.4 average film rating, or a 4.4 average rating on Letterboxd. He is the main character in Ikaru, which will be very interesting. I'm excited to see him as the main character in a movie that's supposed to be one of the best movies ever, according to Letterboxd. Uh, He's also in 1954's Godzilla as one of the main characters. He plays Kyohei Yamane Hakase with a 3.9 average rating. He's in Hidden Fortress, which is also a a Kurosawa movie that stars Toshiro Mifune from 1958. He's in Kwaidan, which is a Masayaki Kobayashi movie. Uh, who directed one of my absolute favorite, some of my absolute favorite movies of all time, which is, which are Harakiri, one of the few films I've ever given a 100 to, as well as he's directed the entire Human Condition trilogy, which I've seen two of three, uh, two of the three of, and they're both great. And Kagamusha, Kurosawa, uh, Kurosawa Stray Dog. Kurosawa, just anything Kurosawa he's probably been in, right? Um, The Bad Sleep Well, Kurosawa. Redbeard, Kurosawa. Drunken Angel, Kurosawa. The Idiot, Kurosawa. So, pretty much watching Kurosawa is going to improve this guy's ratings. Because, I don't know, I I think Kurosawa, one of the best directors, like, if... (laughs) Like, I think Seven Samurai is really good, but I think it's one of the weaker Kurosawa movies I've seen. And knowing how much people revere that, I think that's a huge testament to just how impressive Kurosawa is. You know, High and Low is incredible. Rashomon is great. Yojimbo is great. But Sanjuro really just absolutely knocks it out of the park. There are so many sequences in Sanjuro that I am just gobsmacked by because they're for, like they're 70 years old, right? 60 years old. And I am completely blown away by a lot of the things that happen. It's incredibly funny and it's not a comedy. Uh, Mifune's performance is great. The way he manipulates every single person in that movie around him is awesome. Uh, the, the, the sword play, the, the action sequences are incredible. The film work, the cameras, the lighting, it's in black and white and it looks incredible. Uh, I don't know. I know this is supposed to be about Takashi Shimura, but he's in Kurosawa movies, and I just saw Sanjuro, and I loved it. And I think he's incredible. He is, uh, I think, let me see here. I can look at this, actually. According to this spreadsheet, if you rank the people from that I've currently listed as being from Japan, Takashi Shimura is the number two highest scoring person born in Japan behind Tatsuya Nakadai, uh, who was in the December top 10 uh, back in December. Followed by, uh, and so Tatsuya Nakadai, also in Sanjuru, as well as number three and four, which are Yoshio Tsuchiya and Toshiro Mifune, all in Sanjuro, all in High and Low, uh, you know, they're all in Seven Samurai, Yojimbo, etc., etc., etc. So, uh, they're, they all, you know, I if you were an actor living in Japan in like the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, I bet you worked with Kurosawa. 
and that's only going to be good for your ratings and only going to be good for your score. So Takashi Shimura, number one in March, and number 75 overall. So before we get into the comparisons between this year and last year, I'm just going to run down that top 10 for you guys, uh, starting with number 10. That's Quentin Tarantino, Catherine Keener, Alan Tudyk, Robbie Coltrane, M. Emmett Walsh, Brendan Gleeson, Matthew Broderick, Jessica Chastain, Lupita Nyong'o, and Takashi Shimura. So comparing this top 10 to last year's top 10, again, five people were able to hold on to their positions. Jessica Chastain, Alan Tudyk, Matthew Broderick, Brendan Gleeson, and Catherine Keener. We lost five people. Michael Caine, Kevin Corrigan, William H. Macy, uh, Holly Hunter, and Gary Oldman. So where they fall now. Holly Hunter is now 15th overall. Kevin Corrigan is 18th. Michael Caine is 19th. Gary Oldman is 20th. And... Who's the last person? Or is that all of them? Bolden, Kane, Corrigan, Hunter. No, we're missing somebody. Uh, Macy. William H. Macy. And William H. Macy fell all the way to 31st. Pretty big drop. Some of the people who narrowly missed the top 10 this year. uh, Lorraine Newman, voice actor. Peter Sarsgaard. uh, Mark Boone Jr. um, Holly Hunter. Again. Harry Melling, uh, Daniel Craig is up there, Arlie Ermey, Alan Arkin, David Thewlis, Catherine O'Hara, Juliette Binoche. A lot of big names up, you know, they're all within the top 400 overall, top 30 uh, in March. But one of the things, uh, so I. I don't know. It's tough because, again, like this month as compared to the the same month last year, the values and the scores of these people are so, so different. But I'm going to see what I can do here um, to try and make sense of things. So we had every single – or no, we had eight of the top ten last year had above 100 points in score. I would say that being above 100 then is like being above 70 now. And uh, looking at the number of people above 70, there are 159 people with a score of 70 or more. Uh, I don't think there were that many people at 100 or more. There were about, uh, probably like 110, 120 people at 100 or more back then. So, you know, kind of, I don't know, you want to put it at 71, 72, whatever. But this year, there are only... Gosh, just search. Uh, there are only three people above 70. Jessica Chastain, Lupita Nyong'o, and Takashi Shimura. And only one of them was on the list last year. So Jessica Chastain with a 71.82 last year had a 103.44. She lost 32 points in the transition and in the eight films I've seen from her since then. Her value at the time was a 32. And it's now at 12. So she lost 20 points of value between this year and last year, which is huge. Uh, so it's really tough to like, it's kind of comparing apples and oranges. They're both the same sort of scales, but they're very different in the presentation and taste to, to work with that metaphor a little bit. 
and so I don't really know how much more I can go into this. Um, differences. Last year, everyone was alive. Uh, you know, this year we have Takashi Shimura, who is not. Uh, last year we had one, two, three women. Uh, this year we also have three women. Uh, two of them are the same, Chastain and Keener. Nyango replaces Holly Hunter. And interesting, like, so some of the things, like, Holly Hunter has been in The Big Sick in the last year. She had 15 films back then. I have now seen her in 21. She dropped her average film rating by about five points, uh, and it really hurt her. Kevin Corrigan was ranked third before with 19 films. I've now seen him in 26 films. His average film rating dropped a staggering 11.5 points. Michael Caine was in 25 films. I've now seen him in 33 films, and his average film rating dropped 8 points. Uh, Gary Oldman, six films later, his average film rating only dropped two points, which is pretty good. And then William H. Macy, I've seen eight more films from William H. Macy. He dropped his average film rating by 10 whole points in eight films. So it is not uh, easy to remain highly rated. Like I said, like March is a pretty weak month. Uh, now that Catherine Keener has dropped out of like the top 10, because she used to be in the top 10. But when you're looking at it now, and nobody from March is even above 75th, there are months where the 10th person is going to be rated higher than Takashi Shimura. You know, looking at um, currently in January, six people, the top six people in January are above Takashi Shimura. The, oh, I think this, oh, almost. The top eight people in February are above Takashi Shimura. And there are 12 people from February in the top 100. What do we got here? One more of those. In April, the top eight people are above Takashi Shimura. And there are 12 people above 100. So it might just be that I kind of focused watching... Uh, movies on from people from March and that's what drew everyone down collectively I, that's definitely possible but I do think that just as far as filmography is concerned there's just a much weaker sense here I have no doubt that Takashi Shimura could break into the top 10 with on the back of Akira Kurosawa alone and uh, Lupita Nyong'o if the mon little monster movie is is any good She'll probably be top 100 this time next year, because that's probably the only film of hers I'll see. But everyone else, like, as I was going through their filmographies, there's a lot of people in that list who I've kind of exhausted every movie I thought was good. And that doesn't leave a lot of room for improvement. So we might be looking outside the box for somebody like, um, like Yutaka Sada, who was in other Kurosawa movies, but if he's in more of them, he only has three movie credits right now, but he could definitely jump up and, and take that. There's Timothy Dalton, 11 movies. He's in the top 500 overall. Uh, da, 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 da. I don't know. I, I think there's a good chance like somebody in this list uh, might have a big year, might have two or three really good movies that they've been, that they're in that might really propel them up 
you know, 100, 200 spots and put them on the radar where I'm going to try and pursue them and watch more movies from them that might help them out. Uh, you know, I watched a ton of Kira Knightley movies this year. Uh, I found, because I was like just kind of going through people and like watching short films where I could, anything to kind of bolster the numbers at a faster speed. And Kira Knightley had like half a dozen of them. I watched so many movies that she was in. I'm going to see if I can actually look that up um, according to Letterboxd stats, at least for 2018, and see just how many it was. It was like six or seven, I think. Uh, but she's up to 29 films. Uh, Kurt Russell, 23 films. Glenn Close, 21. Uh, these people are all kind of floating in the top one, in the 700 range now, or lower. You have Frank Welker, the most prolific actor on my spreadsheet, who was born in March. He's ranked 1,165th, so he's pretty. And you know, given how many movies he's been in, it's going to be much. It'd be much more difficult for him to kind of mount a comeback. I think that's unlikely. Let's see, looking this up. Five Keira Knightley films, according to Letterboxd, this calendar year. So, yeah. Uh, so, five from her. Michael Caine, six. Chastain, six. Um, Broderick, five. Corrigan, five. William H. Macy, four. And that's just in since January. So, not even going back to last March. Just in January, those are the big counts. Two people already at ten this year, and that's Best Flowers at 10, and Andy Serkis at 11, actually. Uh, he was as high as number two overall, and has since dropped pretty pretty significantly. So, um, anyway, uh, so that's, that's it. Those are the top 10 actors from March. I wish I had more to really get into as far as um, the comparisons between this year and last year, but the further we go, and you know, once we get down to the months where I was using the same scoring system, it'll make a bigger impact and, and a bigger deal, and we'll really get to see what happened. But for now, uh, we're stuck with this. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, again, this is a big deal for me, just having this overlap for the first time, I really think is awesome. And uh, I appreciate anyone who maybe remembers the first Marchborn episode. I know I remember the recording. It was, it's like an hour and a half long. And the first like 35 minutes is just talking about Gary Oldman. I think I get super sidetracked talking about like the Batman movies that Gary Oldman was in. And then I really speed through the top nine <laughs> after that. Uh, but so, you know, fond memories. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. And uh, if you'd like to get in touch with me, the show, write in, recommend a thing. If the, if you think the people I named are too high, don't deserve to be top ten in this month. If you thought if you heard a name that you think is a better actor, has a better filmography than somebody who did make the list, let me know. Uh, I will sort. I will seek out movies of theirs that I haven't seen, or or you know I will seek out good movies, bad movies of whoever. Uh, if you have a top movie list best all-time movies that you've seen i'm totally into like taking any of those no matter how big they are uh like i mentioned i am almost done watching all of kyle's favorite movies 
and uh, then I have Moran still to go and whoever else I can find in the meantime. Uh, or if you've seen all of the, or most of uh, the Stanley Kubrick movies, also totally accepting those top 13 lists. I think there's 13. And then if you would like to check out the website, circlefilm.com, you can find the list of last year's top 10 on there with all their stats at the time. I will be posting the 2018 version. I'm not sure how I'm going to format that just yet. I'm working on it in my head, but that'll be up sometime this weekend. As well as every other episode I've done on the show, all 200 and some. And then if you'd like to support the show in any way, shape, or form, you can do that at patreon.com slash circle of film. Thank you so much, and as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same night. I know She'll never leave me Even as she fades from view So long, farewell I'll be to say adieu In the name of love One night in the name of love So long, farewell Oh, what I'll be to say Wait a minute Wait a minute Wait a minute So long